Welcome to the party, pal. Hello, and welcome to That Dan Film Show. I'm Dan. And I'm Phil. And this week, we're covering the classic, the quintessential, Die Hard. What a classic it is indeed. Indeed. Mm. Uh, Now, a a quick message. Always Um, a quick message from us. Always a quick message. Uh, We have facebook.com forward slash that Dan film show and twitter.com forward slash Dan film show. Certainly do. On both, we usually post uh, a little quiz or an anagram. Yeah, a little bit of trivia, maybe just just something in the run up to the podcast. Um, it's, It's a little game we like to play. Certainly is. And you can also follow us on Spotify, which you will be listening to, so you might as well pop yeah, up Yeah, you might as well push that button. It's right there. Yeah. Do it. Do it now. Do it now. <laughs> Arnold's here again. Arnold is here. <laughs> but Arnold isn't the man we're going to talk about. Oh, no. no. Although he could have been. He could have been. He could have yes, been the man we're going to talk right. about. You're very right. Instead, we're talking about Bruce Willis. Or, I believe, his real name is Walter Willis. Did is it you, really? Did you know that? Really? Yeah. Yeah. I think it is. Why would and you change? I, Both names kind of work, so... Yeah, maybe it didn't sound dynamic enough, True. but for whatever reason, I'm pretty sure he changed it to Bruce. Interesting. Um, but anyway, on the subject of, would you like to synopsize L Die Hard? Of course, be my honour. Die Hard yeah. stars Bruce Willis as John McClane, who's, uh, you know, having some troubles with his wife. Uh, I've forgotten her name. Uh, her character's name is Holly Gennaro. Holly Gennaro, or Holly McLean. As you know. yeah, her yeah. real name is, technically. That's part of the problem. Exactly. And if you're not part of the problem... You're part of the solution. I mean, Wait. part of the... <laughs> God damn it. Uh, so, Bruce Willis has been invited to her Christmas party in LA. Or Cal- well, it's in California, California, which is LA, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Uh, goes to the Nakatomi Plaza, which is a very rich building full of rich people. For this Christmas party. It is also the headquarters of Fox. Oh, it is the headquarters. Yeah, it's the headquarters yeah. of Fox, um, which is now the headquarters of Disney, by the way. <laughs> Disney owns Die Hard. Disney Hard! <laughs> Die Hard starring Mickey Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> Can I imagine um, him in the tank top? He'd pull it off. Yeah, he probably would. Yeah. Especially when he's like, you know, going, I'm going to cook you and I'm going to eat you. <laughs> Does that uh, mean Al's, uh, Al's goofy? Maybe. Uh, you hang in there, buddy. <laughs> and P- I guess Pete would be Hans Gruber. Yeah, I guess mm. so. Yeah. Or Donald. Oh my God, Donald is Hans Gruber. <laughs> I I like that. I like that a lot. Oh, uh, Disney. Like it a lot. Disney really needs contact us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, synopsizing. He goes to the party, but then of course, you know, there's a lot of money here. So who's going to show up? Some thieves. thieves. The credits get it wrong. They're thieves, not terrorists. Yes. Star uh, with Hans Gruber as their leader, also, uh, you know, played by Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. They come in, they need to rob the place, but they're also shooting people up. Bruce Willis is a, a cop from New York and he's not and letting all that shit go down without mm. a fight. And the ensuing madness continues with killing terrorists, fighting terrorists, explosions, gunfights, glass everywhere, no socks or shoes. <laughs> it's got all a growing action film boy needs yes yeah but christmas but christmasy because it is damn well a christmas film despite what anyone says yes and we'll get into that in a second yes but we will yeah all right good synopsisizing i want to add like my favorite bit of trivia that this film almost starred frank sinatra 
well, yes. technically could have starred Frank Sinatra. So Frank and Arnie were Frank in the and room. Arnie. Well, Frank Frank was originally the they legally had to offer him the part because yep. he made the film. The, they, he was in the film The Detective, which is based on the prequel to this to Die Hard, which is based on a book. <laughs> um, what's the book called again? Oh, um, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, nothing like, lasts forever. Nothing lasts forever. That's and then sounds yeah. like a Bond book. It does or title anyway? It really does. And uh, I think the book is meant to be a bit more. Actually, no, I think it's still a cop. But anyway, um, yeah, it was originally going to... So he made The Detective in the 1950s or 60s. I can't remember Mm. when. And it was part of his contract that he legally had to be offered the same character in the sequel. And since Die Hard is technically based on the sequel of the book, uh, sequel of the books, he had to be offered the part first. But he was in his 70s, so he turned it down. Do you want to know another bit of trivia linked to the rights of the film? Go on then. Clint Eastwood owned the rights. Really? Yes, and he wanted to make it. And probably knowing Clint Eastwood, he would have been in it. Probably would have been pretty good, to be fair. Although it would have been quite a different film. Would have been, yeah. Very I reckon it would have film. been a lot more serious. Because although this is serious, it's got the humour of Bruce Willis. And I don't think Clint Eastwood would yeah. really bring that. Well, Clint Eastwood was more known for... he. You know, it's not strictly action he's done, mm. but he has been in action films. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of cop films. Whereas Bruce Willis at the time, which we'll discuss more, wasn't a big action star no he was, this was um, his breakout into action really yeah he, he's a comedy actor really yeah at the time so yeah you know. and that'd be fair that works in his favor in this it makes him a more interesting character indeed yeah. indeed but that's uh, a bit of synopsisizing for you um i imagine most people have seen die hard at this point but we'll kind you of would hope yeah <laughs> we'll go into spoilers because it you know what's gonna happen mm, you know yes but we'll discuss spoilers throughout basically because yeah. you've probably seen die hard yeah, and if you haven't, well, it is the season, as they say. We'll so, we'll try yeah. and keep them near the tail end. Yeah, but um, I, you know, it's it is. I'll explain about this in a bit as well. It's generic. It is generic. Yeah, but in a self-realizing yeah way. It's generic, but it's still full of surprises, and it's still yeah, it's yeah. still gold. Yeah. This is gold tier Christmas movies. Oh, definitely. You know? mm. I would say it's probably it is my favorite Christmas film. I'm just yes. gonna put it out yeah, there. I would agree. And it's one of my favorite action films. It might yeah. be my favorite action film. I'd probably say it's my favorite action film. I can't so think of something that tops it for it me. It ticks two genre. Terminator favorites. 2 is, a, is definitely up Ooh, there. Oh, that, yeah. that is a good shout. Yeah, what a Christmas yeah. movie. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. So, should we talk about how Christmas is? Why it's Christmassy? Well, let's take it from the top. First, it takes place on Christmas Eve. And in turn means it then takes place on Christmas Day because it carries on until the next morning. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Two, there's Christmas trees in several scenes. Mm-hmm. Three, there's Christmas music in several scenes. There's a Christmas rap right near the beginning. There is a Christmas rap right at the beginning. Which is catchy as fuck. Uh, four, he says ho, ho, ho at one point. I've got a machine gun. He does. And puts um, a Santa hat. A Santa hat's involved in the equation. There are Santa hats involved in the equation. Um it's and d <laughs> wait what well, was i doing numbers or letters <laughs> oh, no, uh... hans gruber says ho ho oh no no he doesn't no ignore me he says yippee ki mother motherfucker <laughs> yeah there there i'm sure there are bits where people are singing christmas they're humming christmas beats. yeah there's uh, as well as christmas music the score has bells in yeah but it does it like other films we've talked about it incorporates it more with its genre yeah so it has kind of like dynamic tense music 
it makes uh it makes jingle bells intense it does and kind of you know ooh. but either way christmas movie guaranteed it's a christmas 100 percent. yeah oh yeah like what if they called it die hard a, a christmas tale would that have made people think That'll more? That'll be number six. Oh, no, it's, <laughs> die, it's die Hard with a Pension. Oh, yeah, Die Hard with a Pension. <laughs> and Bruce mm. Willis still won't care about being in it because he'll not act anymore. No. This is like this is another thing. Watching him in this, he's, his acting chops are there. You know, he's amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Brilliant. And one thing I pointed out in the film is, is he's reacting in a way that a realistic person would. In most action movies, the the hero is a badass, you know, it's barely affecting him that all this crazy shit's going down. But in this, he's like, run, ah, and like panicking yeah. and everything. Yeah. And that's what's good. He he's he's trying his best to, you know, survive, yeah. but he's also fucking terrified. Yeah, yeah, you would be. And there's, I think, if I'm right in quoting this, he goes, there's a bit where he doesn't, he has to basically hide. Mm. And he goes, why didn't you do anything, John? And he goes, because you'd be, be fucking dead, dead John. Because you'd be the, fucking dead, asshole. <laughs> it's, yeah, he has this nice little um, kind of dialogue where he talks to himself. Yeah. And he's either calming himself down or convincing himself to do something. Like like people do when you're about to do something, you know, that, that, that is daunting. You, you psych yourself up by mm. talking to yourself. Yeah, it's little touches like that that yeah. really uh, make the character investing. Exactly. Well, that's why it's a Christmas film. I suppose we should jump on to, which we've already discussed a little bit, but acting talent. Indeed, mm. yes. Shall we start with our main star? Cause, yeah, yeah. let's start with McLean. So uh, Bruce Willis, one of his, probably his like, first big, big movie. Like, I think Everyone's so. heard of Die Hard. Yeah. People I... without televisions have heard of Die Hard. Yeah, exactly. Um, and... Yeah, as we were saying earlier, he was doing he was doing the series Moonlighting. I think he was still doing it when he did this. I remember reading somewhere that he was doing them both at the same time. Oh, right. And he would turn up exhausted. He was getting exhausted, basically. So they fleshed out the other characters. So originally, okay. he would have been... Um, I mean, he focus. is focused in a lot, but he would have even more presence but i think if anything that benefits the film because mm. you get more screen time on holly and you get more screen time hans on gruber. al and hans gruber mm. and you get all the other characters and you get in. johnson and johnson exactly no relation yeah <laughs> very nice <laughs> um but yeah yeah so it is it is a shift in his tone and you you were saying that it was people thought it was a joke when they showed the trailer yeah so when they first showed the trailers to die hard back in the 80s people thought it was going to be a comedy because yeah. it starred bruce willis and he was a comedic actor and to be fair it is funny he it is, is a funny, funny film yeah but it's an action film first yeah. and foremost sort of yeah. thing yeah it's uh his performance um as you kind of briefly mentioned is is more down to earth yeah than, uh a lot of 80s films are great like predator and stuff but the the hero characters are seem, superheroes basically yeah they're very mm. in control of the situation they're not they're, they're you know they're the cool cool characters cool calm under pressure and he's just well out of his depth yeah um and he shows that really well in his exactly. performance um, yeah he he doesn't look like you know he's not a muscle bound giant like arnie he's a guy in a tank top and no shoes Yes. Yeah, he's a cop from New York and that's what he's got going for him. <laughs> yeah, and there's a nice um there is a bit of depth to his character. Yeah. As we were saying, his interplay with Holly 
um, who's played by Bonnie Bedelia. Hmm. She's good as well. Um, their interplay is good because he that's another side to his character yeah um it's a bit more kind of his other his his home life Mm. um before it gets i think as the film goes on he becomes more of his stereotype cop character yeah but the bits with his wife are quite nice because it shows another side to him Mm. um also what's really nice jumping to uh bonnie bedelia's performance and her character holly is that we were saying sometimes a problem in action films is that the female characters get overlooked. They're not they just end out. up the uh, damsel in distress. Love interest. Yeah, yeah, or love interest, yeah. But Holly's a really good character. She's yeah. She doesn't take shit. She's, um, uh, she, like, all of her history, you know, like, the fact that she's the one that's kind of abandoned John McClane. Yeah. Not, like, completely, but she's taken the kids and moved to L.A. for a better job rather than caring about the fact that she's married with two kids. And what's nice about it is that because it comes into the argument that's it's like it's existed before we see it yeah so we come in at the midpoint mm. so we don't know if anyone if either of them are right or wrong mm. and what what probably is the case that they're both a bit wrong and they're both a bit right yeah but but it's it's great because it's kind of it's almost like when you have arguments with mm. people and things become muddled you don't and you don't know where it starts after a while yeah and that's that's that idea that they're living separated and you know they've kind of got their idea of what's happened and all this sort of stuff which under the theory of inception this would mean that the film is a dream oh because we don't know how he got there or he just was on a plane and he was there that's true that's true we didn't we didn't get a we didn't see him from birth up to this point no whereas curious case of benjamin button that was real that was true because we (laughs) saw him from birth (laughs) or no an old man an old man then he was backwards yeah so we missed nothing exactly yeah so what we're basically saying is that all other films are dreams, <laughs> apart from Cutie's <laughs> Case of Benjamin Button. And any other film where it starts with the birth of the main character. Yeah, so there's, yeah. you know, there a, a handful, there I guess. All the others are dreams. <laughs> anyway, uh, one last thing on Bruce Willis, as I would say, his performance is basically, un- there's no fault to it. Like it's He's funny when he needs to be funny, he's serious when he needs to be serious, mm-hmm. he's terrified when he needs to be terrified. He's actiony when he needs to be, like when he's beat beating up some of the thieves, and like the lines he's saying, they're brilliant. And he's both he's both good physical as an actor and both like emotionally and sort of mentally and everything. Yeah. Obviously, he doesn't really have that many. Well, he does have a quite a lot of different emotions in this. Actually, like the the terror and the the angry and everything. Mm-hmm. He just has a range of emotions rather than all of them. But um, yeah, like. I, I do wonder what this film would have been like if some of the other actors who could have been in it were in it. Like, if Arnold Schwarzenegger was in it, it would have been taken much less seriously. We'd be yeah. looking at, say... More one-liners. More one-liners and more Arnie, Arnie-isms, as I will add to our dictionary. Also, also, it's not Arnie's fault, but the size of the man mm. makes him too... It wouldn't make him relatable at no, all. No, he's no. too strong. Like... Bruce Willis is, you know, he's in good shape in the film. Yeah. But, he, you know, he he does also, he's a bit more relatable in terms yeah. of, like, you know, him get And the fact that they chose uh, the the German terrorists, yeah. the, the two blonde guys in particular, 
they're well over six. Oh yeah, they're like stacked. They're gonna like kick his ass. Basically, yeah, so it makes it more of a challenge for him. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he it's definitely one man against against the odds sort of thing. You know? Yes, exactly. And that's what. Whereas if it was Arnie, it would be one man. It'd be one army against Arnie. <laughs> Arnie Arnie's army. Arnie's army. <laughs> Arnie is an army. <laughs> um, Arnie of darkness. It, I wonder what it would have been like if, because originally the book that it's based on was meant to come out earlier. Right. If it did, I wonder if Frank Sinatra was uh, was playing him. I wonder how different that would have been. Oh, that it totally different. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine any version being good, like Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Frank Sinatra. Um, or the, uh, be fair, I've never seen a film of his, but I have heard he's very good. Um, or Clint Eastwood. All of them would have been good films, but they would have all been very different films. Yes. So if we go by multiverse theory, we could, uh, you know, can imagine them, I suppose. Also, there is the um, point that we'll go into it more when we come to direction cinematography, but it, it does have all the elements to make a perfect action film, mm. but you've still got to, to make it a really good action film, You've got to have good camera work, good direction, um, good editing. You know, the more the better those elements are, mm. the more it's going to be a memorable film. And this film pretty much gets all of them right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a reason why it's my favorite action film. Yeah, and I don't think it's just because it's a really you know simple, simply effective story. Yeah. Because, because to be fair, obviously that is a part of it. Because films like Dread and The Raid just, have used that that template. tower block thing, yeah, and it is always really satisfying to mm. watch. It's fucking great. Mm. <laughs> uh, well, I think that's enough from Bruce Willis. Let's jump on to our other main star. It's of course Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman and uh, playing Hans Gruber. Yes, yeah, yes, probably one of, if not the best villain in I a think film. Not only is he, yeah, not only is he one of the best um, villains ever, but I think this is Alan Rickman's best best role, and mm. it's his first big one. Like, don't get me wrong, the other things I've seen him in, he is also great, but in this, he's just perfect. I would say <laughs> that in terms of casting, probably the best casting would be Snape, and in terms of fit, yes, fitting yeah, he that character, fits that physicality perfectly. But in fact, I'm pretty sure she said he's based on him. J.K. Rowling said she based. Oh well, Snape that would explain it. Yeah, um, but I still prefer him in this. Yeah. Um, so I'm basically saying I agree with you. <laughs> I would say, um, considering Snape is in eight books and Hans Gruber is in one. Yeah. I would say Hans Gruber almost has more depth to him than Snape because Snape is just the bad guy at first. Then he's also kind of the good guy and has a bit of history. You never really see that much of Snape, whereas Hans Gruber, I feel like I know him a little bit. You know? Yeah. Although it's a shame that uh, Rickman's not still alive because mm. they could have done a TV series and they could have called it Gruber. <laughs> what, like a... <laughs> Sounds like MacGyver. Like the storyline of Hans Gruber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been awesome. Him with uh, Jeremy Irons, you know, how they, you know, were maybe close at one stage and drifted apart. <laughs> oh, yeah, because Jeremy Irons is in the third one, isn't he? Yeah, I think... His son? No, he's either his brother or cousin. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, Alan Rickman, yeah, again, flawless performance, really. Um, he's His accent is really good for it. I think he pulls it off mm. really well. Um, his physicality, like, it's going to sound odd, but his movements are very, 
very big and very slow. Like when he points a gun, he'll go from like the gun at his shoulder all the way down till it's straight, ready to shoot at you. And when he talks into the radio, he'll kind of like slowly bring it up to his mouth and then bring it down in a huff and then bring it back up. Everything he does is like is has has so much character to it and yeah. makes him so interesting as a villain. And his motivations are good as well. Like, you know, he's, I just want money. That's exactly why I'm here. Mm. And he even uses that to his advantage in that he makes people think that he wants more, whereas he is literally just there for money. Yeah. Um, he's a clever thief. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they, he has an aim. Um, and he's not, he doesn't enjoy killing people, mm. but he sees it as a necessity. It's a necessity if he needs to do it. If yeah. he's not getting what he wants, he'll just kill you. He'll kill you because and and he's he's using that as a as a way to kind of send a message as well. So he wouldn't you you wouldn't just shoot someone for no reason. Mm. You know, there's a there's a reason behind it, and you know that he's freaking out the hostages more. Um, so yeah, it's it's all. All calculated with him mm. um also what you were saying with the physicality of bef- his performance i think that comes from his he was doing a lot of theater beforehand and obviously you have to announce it and com- command the presence mm. on the stage you are and that translates into that film like when he steps out of that elevator for the first time he really commands the room mm. and he's full of there's loads of people yeah. in that room but there's something about him that draws you in straight away yeah um, I, I do like the way as well when he steps out of the elevator and there's a bunch of them with guns. It still takes a good 30 seconds for everyone to go, ah! It's like, this is America. Yeah, that's true. They're like, oh, it's just you know, average person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, funny enough, when they step out of that elevator, it's it's a different style, but it does remind me a bit of Dark Knight where the Joker steps out of the elevator and just shotguns straight into the room. Um like, I don't. I don't know why. It kind of reminds me of that same. That's really weird. You said that because when I was watching it yesterday, when they first turn up at the Nakatomi, yeah, yeah. Nakatomi building, and they're going under the car park, mm-hmm. and it's it's cutting between that and the party. Mm-hmm. That really reminded me of the Dark Knight. Yeah, because the way Nolan starts a lot of his films is there's a heist yeah. element, and. But it, the way it's edited as well is it's building up the tension and, you know, there's there's these people infiltrating the place in pretty much all of his films, really. Yeah. But but I, I got that feeling in Die Hard. Mm. And I'd never made that link before, but when I watched it, I was like, yeah, it's, it's got that vibe. Yeah. You know, it's slick and it's it's building up to, to something. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, that's reminding me, actually, you said this was directed by the same guy who did Predator, right? Yes. Yeah. Just thinking about it, it has a somewhat similar start, not in what actually happens, but in the fact that you're straight in there. Like mm-hmm. with Die Hard, it's here's your main character, here's your main location. Okay, here come the villains. Predator, it was okay, here's your main characters, here's your main location, and there's the Predator. Like it doesn't waste any time. It's straight in and gets straight to the good stuff. And that's that's a kind of like an 80s style that was used quite a bit, and this does it very well. Did he direct the second one? Oh God, that's a good question. I don't think so, mm. but maybe because it does. It it feels very. It feels like you could watch Die Hard and Die Hard Two yeah. quite close to each other because they're very similar. Die Hard with a Vengeance, I still enjoy, but it seems quite different. But maybe that's just because 
the first two are Christmas and they're both people hijacking something. Yeah. It's, it's you know, in one location, i.e. tower, airport. So maybe that's where I'm drawing it. So it was not directed by the same guy. So John McTurnin? Or Tyrion. Tyrion. Uh, did the first one, and then Rennie Harlan did the second. Oh, Rennie Harlan! You have no idea who that no, is, do you? <laughs> you do that same voice every time you make that joke, so I'm picking up on it now. Damn but, it! I've got to tell. Interesting though, but he, John Mc, McTiernan Tier, Tier, did Just the third one. Johnny. Johnny. Johnny did the third Johnny one. Boy. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. Now um, that is interesting because the style is quite different. Yeah, that's what I thought. And the fourth one was Len Wiseman. And as we all know, there's only four diehards. <laughs> yes. Yes. Only four. John Ballman. <laughs> uh, anyway, we kind of skipped. Oh, Hans Gruber. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So again, yeah, I can't. Uh, he, he's amazing. Like the, the two main characters in this are so well done. It's kind of it's I, I kind of comparing it back to Dark Knight. The two, the main villain and the main character are perfectly cast. And when the, yeah. when they meet... Yeah, that's an incredible oh, scene. Tense, yeah. especially when his uh, Hans Gruber's American accent kicks in. Uh, don't, don't, don't kill me <laughs> now, now, now. I <laughs> oh, no, don't kill me now. <laughs> Love it. Um, but also, he obviously he's very sinister and intimidating. But there is a campy element to his performance, which he also did in Prince of Thieves, hmm. which he was the only good thing in that film anyway. <laughs> um, but you know, he's really. He's having fun with the role, mm. really getting his teeth into it and kind of <coughs> being a little bit over the top with some yeah. stuff. But it works in this because, interestingly enough, Die Hard is what it says. Mm. It is an action film, but it, it also parodies itself. Yeah. Like a lot of good action films do. And I kind of feel that some of the more modern action films don't work because they take themselves too seriously yeah or that they're they're either too silly or too serious but what you want is a nice medley you want you know there's there's serious moments and you know when people die it's like oh that is Mm. that's impacting but it's gotta when it's stuff people jumping off rooftops and massive explosions yeah you've got to realize that it's just ridiculous yeah and it does that it 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 realizes the the bits where it is being really over the top and silly, mm. and I think that's a sign of a really good action film. There are some action films that still do that. Don't yeah. get me wrong; I'm not discrediting all modern action films, but I think the ones that don't really leave an impression is when they they don't. It's the satire, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. There's this satire of it, mm. you know. So it's it's going. Oh, look how cool is guns and explosions, but it's also poking fun and saying yeah well it's you know it is fucked up at the same time and yeah it's also kind of showing how horrible it is like when he gets shot in the shoulder and stuff yeah. it's like whoa um uh but yeah i'd say last person to move on to is oh, what's, holly holly Gennaro, who was That's played the wife. By, what was the actress name actress bonnie name? bedelia bonnie bedelia very good as well um so yes. she's well i'd say she's third well actually well, we've got al as well afterwards but uh, I'd say she's kind of joint third with Al, yeah. sort of. Maybe she's a little bit less than Al, but in, in as in presence in the film. But yeah, she was very good. Like we've already said, her character is very interesting and has good depth to her. She's not just the damsel in stress. If yeah. anything, she's kind of trying to tackle the thieves 
at a different angle from John McClane. So John McClane's just trying to kill them all and, you know, save everybody, whereas she's trying to save everybody by, you know, like trying to negotiate almost with uh, Hans Gruber and, mm-hmm. you know, sort of keep him from having some humanity for everyone there. And she's married to a cop. And she's married to a if cop. If you were married to a cop, and I think they'd been married quite a while before. Yeah, I mean, they had two kids, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. So it's, you know, sh- she's going to be used to that and the fact that it's quite a tough mm. lifestyle. Um, so, you know, yeah, you would naturally be tough from that. Yeah, exactly. I think that's uh, that's why her character stays interesting. She's she's almost got that. Um, I mean, it's, it's not to the level of Sigourney Weaver and Alien, but she's. It looks like they've kind of taken that kind of template of a bit more of a badass female character in a film. Whereas no, I could see that a lot of films don't do that, <laughs> which so. is an interesting link because with Batman Returns, apparently Sigourney Weaver was possibly going to be Catwoman at one point. Oh, interesting. Yeah, hmm, I could see that. She, yeah. she would have worked. Um. Anyway, uh, I think we should move on to Al next. Oh, good Who's, old Al. Who plays Al? Reginald Vell Johnson. Wow, no. what a name! <laughs> and do you know what his surname is? What's that? Al Pal. Al Pal. Wait. So Al Pal. His first name's Al. Second name's Pal. So wait, hang on. His full name was what again? What his real name? Yeah. Reginald Vell Johnson. So you're telling me that his name was Johnson, and then there was the two Johnsons. Oh yeah. <laughs> so there's three Johnsons. So they've gone. This is Johnson. I'm Johnson. This is. This is Johnson, no relation. <laughs> uh, but he's very good as well because he's he starts off seeming like he's going to be a stereotypical idea of an American cop, and then he turns out to have an in-depth backstory. And mm-hmm. uh, like we said, we're going to go into spoilers about like how he shoots a kid and his history as a cop and why he's no longer on on the streets. Um, and it's amazing that really his entire role is him standing next to a police car talking into a radio. That's almost the entirety of his mm-hmm. physicality in the film. But he he plays it well, and he, he has a good good emotion in it, and like good like frustration with the police force and everything in the yeah. FBI. That's really that's really well done as well. And like John McClane, you always root for the underdog. Yeah. So, and the chief, who's technically turns up to take over mm. from Al is incompetent um and is bullheaded and won't listen to anything Al says. Yeah. Or anything John McClane says. And yeah, it's this idea that yeah, you root for the underdog, so you he's a likable character, you and you connect with him because he's surrounded by a sea of idiots. Mm. Even the two FBI guys yeah. are idiots. Idiots. <laughs> so uh, which again feels like a, a comment from yeah. the film, you know, is making some satirical the, commentary the, low, the two low level cops are the ones that have got it all together whereas the higher up it goes the stupider they get yeah which is a, which is maybe that's true yeah <laughs> i'm not a cop i wouldn't know no if but uh, maybe you're in a cop other <laughs> professions and stuff i, I could feel i could yeah, see that's that true. working yeah the higher up you get the less uh relatable you are to the people that you manage maybe when you go so far up the management ladder you're actually getting less oxygen to your fucking head. That's true. <laughs> That's why you come so up your own ass. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway. Um, right so, over. Yeah. One thing I will ask say on acting is there's no other specific actors we'll go into, but I think all of the supporting cast are really good as well. Yep. So, and it's all little things like this. Is, this is a bit that I always, I always remember the guy who, um, 
so just as the squat uh squat 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 team right swat team swat team what the hell yeah there's a scene where they're squat all squatting team. outside <laughs> uh when the swat team's breaking into the building and that guy sets up on the counter and then he looks down to his loads of chocolate bars and he's just like i'm gonna I can get away with taking a chocolate bar, right? And then he just, it, he's worried about stealing a chocolate bar when he's, you know, robbing the place. Yeah, yeah. And it's just his, his reaction, I think, is really good. Which also <clears throat> either precedes or follows the one where the big tough SWAT guy pricks oh, himself yeah. on a rose. <laughs> and he goes, ow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, all of the supporting, like, cops and FBI agents are good, like Johnson & Johnson. Yep. Um, and the chief of police. Then you've got, um, the other supporting thieves as well like the one who's breaking into the safe mm. how eccentric he is and yeah. like you know kicking people over and like how he's like humming along as he's killing hundreds of mm. people it's amazing yeah. um, then you have like the, the physicality of the bigger terrorists that he fights the yes. two two blonde guys there's some good stunt work very good like, summer, I, yeah. I could tell I think because we watched on Blu-ray I could tell where there was a stunt double yeah it's obvious in a few places but they don't show his face and there are some very clever cuts and edits yeah to make it difficult you know it's only because i've seen it so many times you can spot it um, yeah and when i say that i mean that you remember that bit in friends where they watch die hard and they mm. go oh that was amazing what should we watch and we go die hard <laughs> watch it again let's watch it again <laughs> that is me if yeah. it's on tv any point in the film, I can you watch it. You just have it. to watch it all the and way I through. I think that's why it's my favourite action mm. film. Because it, it's got such replay value. It's such a... The, like I said, this is pretty much the perfect Christmas film. Yes. You know, or perfect perfect action film as well. Um, but yeah, all, all the other supporting actors are really good. Everyone that plays their role very well. Even the um, coke addict guy that yeah. tries to negotiate with Hans Gruber. He's, ent- he's very entertaining. And he's like, he? John, booby. <laughs> Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Uh but yeah, acting pretty much flawless in this. And uh speaking of flawless flawless, cinematography is next. Yes. Once yes. again, I there's like one shot in the entire film that always seems jarring to me, which is the one I mentioned to you when they all of the hostages are on the roof. Yeah. And it cuts to like a semi not a close up but like a torso shot of John mm-hmm. McClane talking to one of the hostages. For some reason it looks like the camera quality like heavily dips. I'm not sure if it's potentially they filmed it, lost a couple of the takes, and they just had to go with what was left. They couldn't remove that one shot. But other than that, I'd say the film is flawless in cinematography as well. Every shot is is interesting, mm. you know. Whether it's the the um, when he's in the in the vents and it's the close up of him and he turns the light on, whether it's when Hans Gruber is pointing down the gun behind him or when he's jumping off the top of the building, the explosion, everything is amazingly shot and it's still this again this is why 80s films look so good it's because it there's no cgi in the entire film as far mm-hmm. as i can tell and it looks amazing throughout yeah i'd agree <laughs> and i think that event shot that you mentioned where he says i feel like a tv dinner <laughs> is a great line because it reflects the, the camera work because <laughs> there's a lot of especially when he starts going higher up the building into the bit that's still under construction yeah he's going through these tiny areas and it's crazy how they got the cameras in there um, oh yeah when he's like climbing through yeah, the little the, the, yeah it must have all been a lot bigger anyway mm. but the, you really feel that sense of claustrophobia yeah um, and i think that adds to the overall tension which is and it's the combination of stuff as well because you've got the music which is tense that 
it's nicely edited. Yeah, very really nicely, nicely edited. edited, especially in the build-up where they're cutting between the terrorist or thieves mm. and the party. And it's really nicely edited to get yeah. that flow, which again is something that Noland is an expert at. Yeah, which is getting that pace and tempo where it starts off slow, <clears throat> goes manic, and then it dips. It's like a, it's not a straight line, but I, I think you don't want a straight line. You want it to dip and yeah. rise, and you don't want it constantly going up and up and up because then you're you won't appreciate the fact that it is where if it goes down a bit up a bit down a bit and then really up and then gets more and more tense and then builds to a finale mm. that's what makes it so interesting yeah and i think um people might i mean it might be a generalization but people might not regard action films in the same light with with cinematography because yeah. when you think of cinematography it always comes down to like drama and you know westerns other genres i would yeah. say but but it is important. It, is, it can do. We can do wonders for an action yeah, film as well. And yeah, and there is a big difference <laughs> between a a well shot and edited action film. I mean, I saw a Jean Claude Van Damme film. He's done some good films. Yeah, yeah. But I saw one he did later in his career, and his fighting was great, but the editing was terrible, mm. and so you didn't see the fighting. Uh, like Mulan, you didn't see all the action you needed to. Yeah, and the pace was just so out of whack. Mm. The camera was—they sh- were using too much shaky cam. The editing was sporadic, and it was trying to get that fast tempo. Mm. But it was just like, no, I don't know what's going on, and this is making me feel sick. Yeah, I think uh, another good example of like really good action and how well it can be shot is something like Daredevil, the Netflix mm. series. Like the the one shots they do in every season is amazing. But then Iron Fist, which was arguably should have had more fighting in it because he's a martial artist and everything. He, he should have lots of fighting. Every single fight scene was crap in Iron Fist because they would go for a punch and then they would cut and then they would cut again and they would cut and continuously cut. The more you cut during a fight scene, the worse it looks. Definitely. Or during an action scene in general because you can't get a, a feel for what is actually happening. And Die Hard does does this really well yes it does use a lot of cuts but it cuts in the right way mm. and that's what makes it stand out so well in its cinematography yeah. and there's of course lots of specific shots that look really good obviously Hans Gruber's falling from the falling from Nakatomi Plaza to his death is an iconic shot um well that's the word iconic I think yeah when a film's got scenes and shots that you remember mm. that I think that proves that it is well filmed when when you can remember a specific visual thing that's yeah. you know that's particularly good and uh another particularly good shot as well is when he's walking into the final confrontation as well and the lights behind him and he's just kind of mm. shuffling forward like all of it's just brilliantly done and yeah can't fault it yeah Not no, it's, it's it's very strong in that mm. department definitely um and i think finally we have music yes and this is another reason why it's christmasy because it's pretty much all Christmassy esque music, apart from one which is the main theme that you hear. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's a Christmassy song. Well, they have Be- uh, Beethoven. Yeah, is that that is that the? Du, du, du? Yeah, yeah, that's not meant to be Christmassy or anything, is it? I, I don't know, but it does make me think of Christmas. But probably because it's because of Die yeah. Hard. <laughs> um, but but they make that sinister intense, don't they? they yeah, they have it as the schoolwork throughout yeah and then they actually play it they actually play it at the party yeah hans gruber hums it multiple times mm-hmm. but it's also playing throughout the film and then the rest of the music they have like 
they again they do that kind of bringing that Christmassy jingliness into the yeah, yeah. music, but it's still really tense and really heavy and still suits the action and everything. And yeah, I mean, it's not it's not not how can I put it? It hasn't got like the most memorable themes, so to speak. Mm. I mean, unless you count the Beethoven bit, but overall it's like just the music is always good it doesn't take away from the film at all it just adds to it but it isn't so like it isn't so memorable into the way that say something like interstellar is where Mm. the songs are like just amazing i i'm not going to pick up the diehard soundtrack for example no but it suits the film it suits film is a strong component but it's yeah exactly exactly what you said Mm. um the sound work i would say that the sound work is a bit a product of its time so yeah 80s fuzz exactly so when you watch something like john wick it's so sharp yeah and punchy and obviously then the gunshots sound a little bit muffled Mm. um and like glass shattering doesn't quite sound right um but you don't really notice it yeah um i think if you you have to kind of be hearing out for it Um, it's it's kind of I mean, any any eighties film sounds that same way because, again, the microphones just weren't good enough to do any better at the time. But it's it doesn't take away from the film. If yeah. anything, I almost I quite like that kind of like um, it's nostalgic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it it very much gives you that eighties feeling. As soon as you hear that kind of audio, you know it's not the nineties yet. <laughs> mm. Yeah, no, that's very true. Yeah. That's very true. Um, well, we talked spoilers. We talked music. We talked acting. We talked everything. Yeah. I think uh, I think that's Die Hard in a nutshell. That is Die Hard. Yeah, it's got it's got everything. Like you say, it's got action, it's got comedy, mm. it's got a bit of drama, it's got some brilliant performances. Mm. The uh, news reporter, is, oh yeah, is horrible and his slimy character does it well. Yeah, does it very well. The two Johnsons are just hilarious. Uh, one of the Johnsons, I can't remember his name, but he plays a Bond villain. And he's also a villain in the Goonies, and he is just fantastic in everything I see him. Because like Alan Rickman, Robert Davey, like what? Alan Rickman, mm. um, he has this almost campy side to him. Yeah. Um, but he's he's very good at playing baddies. That that is just it. Yeah. He's got that. He's got a villain down well. To be fair, he's got the f- <laughs> no insult to his looks, he's but face. he's got the face yes, for he it. Does. He does that pockmarked face? Yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, although every time I do see him, I expect him to uh, start singing classical music like in the Goonies. Um, <laughs> just every time he's kind of about to do something mad. I mean, there is Beethoven. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, <laughs> maybe he's singing it off screen. Which uh, which Bond villain was he then? Um, I think was he like a main oh, villain? Is it, or? is it License to Kill? It's a Timothy Daunton one, and it's basically one where bond goes rogue and it's a really good one and he plays the villain um and that's all i can remember it's also from the 80s we will have to do a bond season because i haven't seen any of the old yeah definitely definitely um well i think you know what time it is oh here we go here we go (laughs) you got my opinion we got your opinion and well the rest of the world's opinion is probably similar to ours Oh, you you would hope so. Yeah. But, you know, there might be some people exactly. that don't like it. Might and... be some idiots. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, one person's opinion left. It is Mr. Goldberg. 
Oh yeah, ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. But then later there's running and, and screaming. Oh, thanks, Jeff. That pretty much sums it up to a T, yeah, I would I mean, say. That's pretty much the film in a nutshell. You yeah, know, if, yeah. if, if, in fact, Jeff Goldblum just synopsized for us. Yeah, he's wow. stolen your job, Phil. Shit, well, it's your job too. Yeah, I know, but I'm trying <laughs> to shift blame. <laughs> well, thank you for your opinion as always, Jeff. And uh, yeah, Cheers, buddy. Thank you to our audience of about 16 people who listen. Yeah. <laughs> for listening. Thank you for our diehard followers. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, well, this could be our last episode mm. for the Christmas season. Yes. That is. Yes. I mean, it would be the logical place to end it. Yeah, it would be the logical place to end it. But that's all we'll say for, for the now. time being. So, thank you. Get out. <laughs>